Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 422. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you're here to join us. And I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Heather Cameron. Heather is a woman business coach from Horizon Performance Insights. And I'm so excited to share a conversation with her because even just in the pre-chat, we've talked about how we both talk typo. Look, I'm already talking typo and (laughs) talking about the shuddas and just so much more. But Heather, welcome to Positive Productivity. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, oh my gosh, I'm just getting all my bloopers out of the way right now. <laughs> See, I told you in our pre-chat, when I get excited about something, is just my head and my mouth just start disconnecting. Heather, I also have to admit that I've been listening to podcasts in 1.25 speed or one and a half speed, and I realize that I start talking in those speeds now when I'm on podcasts. <laughs> I think I need to... It would be sort of bad, though, if I slowed it down to like half speed, because I don't want to like, I'm just excited to jump in. But anyway, welcome again. I would love if you would share a better intro for yourself, because I just touched the tip of the iceberg with the listeners and tell them how you got to where you are today. Sure, I'd love to. How I got here was basically I started as a going through the university degrees and getting my education and started as a engineer, which is an unusual thing for a woman and worked in high tech for a long time and evolved my job through high tech. So initially I was in a lower level and then I moved to management level. And my last job in high tech was a great opportunity of working in Australia. So I got the joy of going to the other end of the world and working there and the bubble of high tech burst. And I was literally sitting on the other end of the earth going, what am I going to do now? And I came back and I really sat and thought about what can you do with your life? What do I want to do? Do I want to go back into high tech? And at the time, two of my cousins were hit by a train. And they're both alive. They survived. They're alive. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, I know. It was very scary. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Their mom ended up staying with me. And it gave me that point of you could be hit by a train tomorrow. Something in your life could happen that momentous. And I sat back and I thought about really what was I good at and what did I want to do. And that's how I entered the entrepreneurial journey. And I went back to school, which I thought I never would, and got a degree in adult education and started to do leadership development and facilitation and working with teams and had the wonderful opportunity to go to Zambia, Africa and work there. So I've been very fortunate to have all these kind of cool travel opportunities and I came back to Canada after that. And I moved my business from that leadership development to training. And I went back to school again because another client told me you should become a business coach. So off I went and got a degree in business coaching. And that's where my business has evolved to, to working in more of an entrepreneurial way and working with other entrepreneurial people, and particularly women. Wow. So your business has been on three continents? Yeah, pretty oh, much you more have. than that. I've been on more than my brother and I are in competition because he travels a lot for his business. I think I'm at 45 countries. Or oh something like that. We used to count it, but my nieces would say, what is it? You know, some countries I've been to have become one and some have split to three. So what do you get <laughs> to count? And uh, my niece's rule was we get to count whatever gives us the most amount of countries. 
So I'm at 41 or something like that. Wow. 45. I haven't counted in a while because I haven't traveled as much, but yeah. And it's great because that's what I love about you and I aren't in the same city. We're talking from different cities. It's what I love about this whole thing of globalization, of internet, of podcasting, of all of it is being able to connect with people all over the world. I can't even go to Canada right now. No? No. That's sort of, <laughs> I'm not banned from Canada. I just want to okay. make that clear. <laughs> was wondering what did you do what yeah did you do? <laughs> no and I grew up in Rochester so every time we would have people come and visit from out of town we would go over to Niagara Falls and we would cross mm-hmm. the what is it the Rainbow Bridge yeah and but now you need a passport and yes, I haven't had a passport since I was 18 or 21 and I'm almost 40 that it has to change this year I was gonna say you need a passport yeah I mean I traveled to so many states. I've been to Hawaii. I've been back and forth from coast to coast in America. I've been to Ottawa. I've been to Toronto. And I've been to the UK. But yeah, <laughs> I haven't even been to Mexico. I haven't been to Mexico. Haven't been there. Haven't been to South America at all. I've been to the Caribbean islands, a few of them. But no, I haven't been to many. But very fortunate. I feel very fortunate for the travel I've done and the opportunities to work with other cultures. It's really been a unique experience. So. Now you said Zambia, right? Did I say yeah. that right? Yes, she did say it right. I always called it Zambia. So yeah, Zambia. Zambia doesn't sound quite right. Like I, I can picture <laughs> you know zombies walking around or something, which is so yeah. unfair. No. <laughs> what would you say would be an entrepreneurial lesson that you learned from your experience there? It's interesting because in Zambia, the people that I worked there were well-educated Zambians. And they were working with the more impoverished people. But they have a lot of opportunity that we wouldn't have. Because of the culture and because of the financial situation, they can afford, when they're well-educated, they can afford house cleaners and they can afford somebody to drive them to work, all the things that you and I would love to have, somebody to look after the kids. But the emotional toll they have is really different because they're dealing with, you know, Zambia, which a lot of people don't realize is the AIDS crisis in Africa really hits our generation. So they're dealing with a lot of emotional support. And one thing I learned from them is that they're very tribal. So they don't only think about themselves and their immediate family, which I think North American, we've kind of gotten that way. Mm -hmm. They think about who do they have to look after in their tribe? Who do they have to take care of in the tribe? And I think that in its entrepreneurial way is how I would like to run my business, right? It's who do I look after not only in my immediate, but how do I look after that community that I decide to embrace? That is so beautiful. And I've heard more and more entrepreneurs calling their community, their tribe. Yeah. And I know where, yeah. Until just now, it never really clicked with me, like how they could be so huge. It is so, it's interesting. I was remember one case, I was doing like a three-day leadership and one of the guys comes up and he goes, I have to leave. And I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm the only one who has money to pay for someone's funeral. And it wasn't a direct relative. And another woman was, she said, I have a lot of stress in my life because my husband's third cousins showed up at the door because their parents are gone and they need some place to be. They need somebody to look after them. So that sense of tribal is much more expanded than what we do. Wow. So yeah, it was a great experience. I went three times, three, four times, and it was a really good experience. It was different, (laughs) but it was very different experience, but very humbling. Mm -hmm. I went to the school, the Art Institute of Chicago, and got my degree in interior architecture. And I would have to say that half of my class was American. Mm -hmm. And of half of those, half of them were very well off. 
And the other half of the class was international. And one of my dearest friends was from India. And her father was very successful. She had a dresser. And I don't mean a dresser to put clothes in. I mean somebody who would dress her every morning. Yes. Yeah. And one of the other girls, I don't remember what country she was from, had a bather. <laughs> and it just blew my mind. The difference between rich and poor in other countries is the rich, they have a lifestyle that you and I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. And the impoverished have nothing. A lifestyle that we can't imagine either. Exactly, yeah. They have yeah. no running water, no electricity. They're living in a room of the size of my office that I'm in now with five people. It's just, and that's what I found very humbling about being in Zambia. It was that sense of recognizing the worth of what we take for granted so much. And yet to see people who didn't have as much as are perfectly happy. And so, yeah, it's a real interesting place to go. It's very, very humbling. Like the the McDonald's Happy Meal toys is what yeah. I'm that get shoved underneath my children's bed. Like one of those toys would just completely make one of these children who doesn't have anything their year. Yes. And then there it is just shoved underneath their bed for the next one. Yeah. And yet we can learn a lot from them also about that sense of community and responsibility and wow. how we do it. So it was a fascinating experience. Yeah. When I got it, I had literally a, like a day to make a decision. Would you like to go to Zambia next week and run a leadership conference for four days? Sure. <laughs> wow. So how has your business evolved since then? It's evolved. I took a step away from, I kind of went through one of those experiences that I hope other entrepreneurs can learn from, which was I was fully booked. You know, I had my business. It was big. I was making six figures. Life was good. And then it was dependent on a small set of customers. And I had kind of taken my eye off of marketing and my biggest customers all disappeared at the same time for various reasons. Only one of them was expected. And one went bankrupt and the other one, it was the CEO of a major hospital. He got replaced. So you don't keep your consultants at that point. And all of a sudden I was back at square one without a lot of marketing, without a lot of built up in my funnel and having that community that I spoke of because I didn't need to develop it. And that was a real changing point for me. It was kind of like, okay, what do I want to do? I almost was back at square one of how do I want to evolve this and what do I want to do? And I realized taking a step back from that, that I um, really liked working with the entrepreneurial, the smaller company, and that the larger things like the hospital, they're built in bureaucracy, they're harder to do. So I really changed my focus towards that entrepreneurial area. And I discovered women. You know, I find women, they're more open to coaching, they're more open to working with other people. They've had less experiences sometimes. They go into the business by themselves because they're passionate about what they want to do, but they don't have the same framework that I think men have occasionally. And so it's moved towards that. I just get so passionate when I see a woman who's got so much skills and she's just stuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking to one that was like that? Yeah. I started my business in 2012 because we needed to supplement my husband's income after he started college. And I can't really say I was passionate what I was doing, like the activities that I was doing, but I was passionate about supporting my family. But I lacked the confidence to charge Mm -hmm. what I knew I was worth. I see that being a huge struggle for women constantly. It is. It's a huge, that plus women, we've got so many shoulds 
coming mm-hmm. at us. And I would say a lot of the shoulds are our own. Women have been, whether we, how we evolve through all of our social stuff, but we have a ton of shoulds. We should be this fantastic mother. We should be able, you know, the old commercials where you should be able to do it all. can't remember who they were, where you got dressed up and you fed the kids and you went out to a party and you did everything <laughs> and you still looked wonderful and dressed up. And you had the six-course meal on the table when your family and friends came over for impromptu dinner during the week? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, we can't be everything. So at the level, there's a level of just general what women think they should be. And then there's a level nowadays that's coming from the internet and from online marketing and all that stuff that adds yet another level of shoulds. And I work with clients in there. I had one yesterday where she's bought a business, an established business, and the previous owner literally has gone to live on a farm somewhere. (laughs) And she's got all these shoulds in her head. And I'm like, stop, right? Focus on what you need to do and what you want to do, not what you think you should do. Absolutely. You know, because I shared with you in our pre-chat, listeners, just prior to recording our conversation here, jumping on the line, I took a nap. And as I was falling asleep, I was thinking, I should be, I should be, I should be. And finally, Mm -hmm. I told myself, no, because your attitude is less than good right now. I was also hungry, listeners. Hungry and me don't get along, but I was too stubborn to actually make something. So I took a nap. And I feel completely refreshed now. I did wake up to my husband having had made me lunch. And I know that that nap is the best thing that I could have done for myself in that very moment. Could I have gotten some work done? Yes. But chances are I wouldn't have done it very well. But we need to give ourselves a break on all the shouldas. It's and the shoulds come from so many levels. Like I have one client who's her shoulds take her away from what she wants to be. So she's a her core is website design. She's a fantastic website designer. But she has the shoulds that come from education. Well I should know everything. And I should know everything about SEO and I should know everything about something else. And we've actually gotten to an analogy with her, which is she's the family doctor. And anytime she starts to think that she needs to be like the SEO expert, that's like being the neurosurgeon. I'm like, no, you don't need to be the neurosurgeon. And it brings her back to focusing on what her core, like staying in her lane and not shooting herself because she has these expectations of always learning, of being the best at everything. And she's in her 50s. These are expectations that come from her childhood and work their way up. And it's like, no, you don't need to. You need to get back to your focus. And I can always hear her breathe a sigh of relief when she gets back to the, I'm a family doctor. I'm a website designer at the core. Wow. Yeah. When we do this, we've got these, "Ah, I got to be these things. So there's the shoulds that we put on ourselves. And that's like you said, I should be working instead of taking a nap. Mm Mm-hmm. I should be at my desk at nine o'clock in the morning. But what you should be is at your desk when you're most productive. I was cleaning under my couch at nine o'clock this morning. (laughs) You and I are like, I'm not productive at nine o'clock in the morning. So why should I be at my desk at nine o'clock in the morning? Because it's not going to work. Well, I have to say, I am normally at my desk as early as I can be because it's my peak performance time. But my smartphone has been missing now for two weeks. A child took it, killed the battery (laughs) and decided to abandon it wherever it died. And you haven't found it? Yes. Yeah, so I have a dead phone somewhere in my house. If this dead phone was, you know, a chipmunk, it would have been found already. But <laughs> I just can't find it. So last night. That's phone owners a nightmare. Losing your phone when it's off. 
It absolutely is. Like the find your phone function for iPhones is amazing, but not if they're dead. So like last night I cleaned my little's room. The If this is your first time listening to the Positive Productivity Podcast, I am a mom of five. I have three-year-old twins and a four-year-old. I fully admit, and I'm not going to do a shoulda, I fully admit that I use electronic babysitting a lot. And judge me if you want, but it works for me. And my kids can count to 100 and do their ABCs backwards. I'm stretching it a little bit there. (laughs) But they're amazingly brilliant little kids. Yes, they're a little bit too attached to electronics. And in this case, it's bite me in the butt because I can't find my phone. But it's been amazing how much I have gotten done in the last two weeks because I personally have not been attached to my phone. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I have is uh, I tell people to stop letting their smartphone control their lives because it's crazy what you see people do with their smartphones. And, you know, from a productivity point of view, it's probably the biggest sapper of your productivity if it's in control of you. Absolutely. I think I actually annoyed a client when I removed Skype from my phone because I wasn't accessible if I was not in the house. That's not to mention, I mean, this client has my cell phone number. However, okay, we're recording in 2018. I am still on an iPhone 5S. Okay, so I'm what, five generations behind? You and I are the same. I'm on a Samsung S4, so I'm five generations behind too. Okay, but it works. (laughs) If I'm out and I get a flat tire, I have a phone that works. That's all that matters to me. But there's a negative side that it doesn't have 64 gigs of memory. So Skype had to go. And now I have my personal space back. But mm-hmm. that's where I see a lot of women failing. They let everybody and everything and every situation dictate what we're doing in our day instead of controlling our calendar and knowing when to say no. Absolutely. And putting and not only knowing when to say no, but knowing when to say no to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that kind of when there's so much in the world that comes at us that says, well, social media is one of the biggest shoulds out there. You should be doing this on social media. You should be doing that on social media. You should be doing this. And it eats up a lot of time. And when you get them to step back, it's not necessarily giving them that much revenue. It's not necessarily their strongest leads. And yet they feel so stressed out because they're not on social media. They're not tweeting or they're not doing something. And it's like, well, you have to do what works for you. You know, start small and go big, not start big and go small. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm thinking about your website designer, Dr client. (laughs) And I was a bit the same way. Actually, I was more than a bit the same way. I thought I needed to know everything. I can't even tell you how many different software applications, tools I know now, because I thought it was my duty to know Mm -hmm. them all. Now, I, I will not deny that by knowing all these different technologies, I feel like I'm violating the grammar police right now. Apologies to the grammar police who are listening. But by being so educated on the technology, that has become sort of my go-to expertise. People know Mm -hmm. I know my tech. However, I also had to realize I don't know everything. And along with that, there's just some things I don't want to do. So I can build a website. I built my website and I don't like it. I don't want to do it. SEO. Over the past five years, though, I've realized I need to outsource. And this has really Mm -hmm. just hit me across the face like a bologna sandwich. I'm just making up stuff now. (laughs) In the last three months when I realized my business could be so much further along if I just let go. 
I'm learning from Frozen here. You know, let it go, let it go. <laughs> now you can tell you have kids. Yeah. But there's so many valuable lessons in Disney movies. There is. I mean, just keep swimming, but let it go. I don't need to be doing everything. And I'm at the point now where I'm looking for a personal assistant in my direct area mm-hmm. who can go online and order my groceries and then go pick them up. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, I will go online and order the groceries. But no, I don't need to be the one that goes online and does it. I can have somebody else do it. Absolutely. So, you know, that's part of it. You know, and there's an opportunity for a business person to create a business to help people like you do it, right? I mean, everything opens up opportunities. But it's like, I saw somebody yesterday post in a group where she just got to the point where I don't want to see other women get to. She just said her literally her post was, that's it. I'm done. I'm tired of doing this and this and this and this and this. I tried to do this, this and this. It blew up. I'm done. And it was in a business group. And I thought that's what you don't want to see. In a good way, she was going to surrender to stop listening to the shoulds and start focusing on what she wanted for herself and for her own life and her own business. But it took a literally I'm done and this big blow up to get to that point. Yeah, I can totally see that. I realized I have a mastermind call tonight with a group that I meet with every single week. I love them to bits. But I realized that my win for the week is that I realized, and I know you can relate because it sounds like this is exactly what you were doing or not doing. I have for so long been my sales department, my marketing department, my fulfillment, like my client fulfillment, product development, systems development, everything. And I finally am letting it go. And that's a huge win. So I'm washing my hands and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, Kim, look at your eyebrows. Like, if you hadn't been doing all of that, you could have had your eyebrows waxed by now. <laughs> right? Yep. And that would have been a five minute drive across town to spend 15 minutes there and drive five minutes home. Mm-hmm. But because I was trying to do everything else. And this is one of those examples. We'll use the word try. I don't like the word try. I will not try to do anything. I will either do it or not do it. And now it's either I will do it or I will delegate it. Which is great. Yeah, That's a great way of looking at it. I was trying to do everything. And in the end, oh, yeah. Last week I bought Nair. <laughs> do they have Nair in Canada? Oh, yeah. They have okay. Nair in Canada. Yeah. Last week I bought Nair because I realized okay, my legs can't suffer like this anymore. Neither can my husband. (laughs) But I was neglecting my own self-care. One thing that you were ahead of that I often even see people that women I work with, you actually understand what your system, like the things that you need to do. The way that you said, you know, your own, your marketing, your own sales, your own this, your own that. That's even a step I find women don't have time to even think of. Yeah. Which is what am I doing? I put a Facebook live last week, which was about... Start recognizing your systems. Even if your name is in every place that you're doing it, then you start to see what you can delegate. Absolutely. So I put out a job post a couple weeks ago, and there's a trick question. I won't say what the question is, but there was a trick question on the page. And it was in the section where I said, I'm looking for somebody who will pay attention to detail. And I gave the answer right there. And then an application asked, it referred back to that point. So... Of all the people who answered properly, I followed up with them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I asked when I followed up, and I realized that the application process for me has to be two to four steps long to make sure that they will continually follow up and they're not just going to drop off 
because mm-hmm. when I've gotten super stressed, I've dropped off and I've had team members who drop off, disappear, and then come back weeks later, way past the deadline. But one of the things that I'm asking people in this round is, are you open to helping me develop my systems and my process documents, my SOPs? Yeah. For everything that you do on a routine basis. And if they aren't open to that, then they're not going to be a good fit. And I explained right there in the question, I said, this is not to replace you. This is to further your growth and help bring somebody in when you're ready to move on in the company. And actually, it's a great skill set for them to have, right? That ability to develop and think about the systems and do it. I just moved my content creation system. I actually started on a Blackboard and I put it in a Word document and now it's in an online task manager. And the amount of time it saves me is just amazing, right? And I'm still doing it. So now I can see the next part that I could send off to someone else. But just that process didn't take long to do. But by capturing it all, it's so much easier. And I don't feel like I'm missing something. So I'm not saying I should be doing this because I now know what I'm doing. And if I want to add something else to it, if I wanted to add a new social media channel, it will fit into that process versus just kind of starting it and not really having a plan for it. Mm-hmm. You bring up an interesting point, though, adding a social media channel. Mm-hmm. What would the social media channel have to really have in order for you to add it? Because I see so many people, men and women alike, who feel like they need to be on all the channels and engaging on all the channels. I'm doing a poor job right now, I will fully admit, but a social media manager is somebody that I am looking to hire. Mm -hmm. I am doing a poor job across all social media. I opened up Facebook just prior to our call and I had, like it stopped counting the notifications because it got so high. Well, it feels like it's yelling at you when it gets that high. Yeah. <laughs> feels like you line and you go, it's yelling at me. To me, I think you have to really go back to what your core message is and who your audiences are. Like, start with one social media and invest in it. And when you've got that one, not so much tackled, but at least under control and you know how you're going to do it and it's processed, as we said, either doing it yourself or you're outsourcing it, then move to the next one. But look at the next one as where your clients hang out, right? For me, I have to look at where women who are 40 plus hang out. They don't necessarily hang out on, I don't even know what the younger social media things are right now, but I know that Instagram's a big thing. So maybe that's my next choice as I grow. So you have to look at your message, but don't go to a social media thing you're not comfortable with. You know, there's no point in stressing yourself out. If you don't want to be on camera and you don't want to do Instagram, then don't go there. Yeah. Before I lost my phone, I asked one of my older kids, could you please set me up on Snapchat? And they're like, oh, mom, are you going to do Snapchat? I was like, no, I'm not doing Snapchat, but I want to get my name before anybody else does. They're like, oh, that oh, makes sense. Okay. Like, yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to be spying on you on Snapchat. I probably <laughs> should be, but I don't have time for that. And that's it. If your demographics younger people, then maybe you want to be on Snapchat, right? Right, exactly. And so it's about knowing and choosing, but not, I have one client I worked with who's like, I need to be Twitter. I need to be on LinkedIn. I need to be on Facebook. I need to be on Instagram. You're not going to be good at any of them if you don't yet get yourself and your message and your processes in place to be able to do them because they're just going to zap you. Right. Right. And it's that should thing that comes out. I met someone recently who's just starting her business and she's a VA and she's like, I should be doing this and I should be able to do all this. And I'm like, no, again, pick your lane. Right. And she wants to be a VA who creates content for other people. That's a really lucrative lane. And yet she was trying to be the one who answers phone calls and who does this and who does that. And it just doesn't work very well. I see so many entrepreneurs who are just starting out who think they have to have their website put together. 
and they have to have business cards and they have to have their logo and they have to have this and that and that every other thing before they even start going out and looking for business. Well, just because you brought up that she's a VA, mm-hmm. the people who are applying for my open positions right now are from a VA group that I own. And I didn't even ask for their website URL. Number one, I don't have time for it. Number two, it's not going to give me the personalized answers that I'm looking for. Exactly. So if you are listening and you're starting your business and you are putting all your energy into your website, stop. Mm-hmm. If you're in e-commerce, maybe you need to think about that. But there's always Etsy and eBay and all these other platforms that you can get started on before you have your own website set up. And it doesn't need to be your first website doesn't need to be complicated. Or beautiful. Or beautiful. If you feel you need presence and you need to be seen, that's fine. But when is it good enough? And the reality of it is my most effective method to growing my business was networking. Wasn't Mm -hmm. my website. In fact, I didn't. I started 14 years ago. So I didn't have a website initially. I got one because you kind of needed one. But at that time, it was just being out networking and meeting people to this day is still, whether it's networking like from people on the phone you know, I've met some really cool people in the last month. One was in Texas, one was in England. And it was just that we connected. We connected through a Facebook group. We made the effort of saying, I would like to talk to you and ended up on a call and, and were able to meet and know each other. I have clients I've never met from that same process, but it's still networking, right? It's still getting out and talking and seeing how you connect and how your messages and how your style suits each other. Absolutely. I've had a button in the header on my website that's been messed up for a month. I know it's been messed up. I just haven't taken the time. It's something I can fix very easily. Mm-hmm. In the amount of time that it would take to ask somebody else to fix it, I could just go in and do it myself. But you know how many people have mentioned it to me? None. None. Yeah. And it's still working. I'm still getting signups through it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so easy to get wrapped up in those tiny little things. Oh, it's so easy to get wrapped up in websites and it's changing. And I was listening to someone, again, somebody who got shitted <laughs> and they started to investigate like the online world and how they were going to market and about a year and a half ago, I guess. And they got totally off message. They got, oh, well, I should be an expert. So I'm going to go take some expert courses and I should do this and I should do that. And they wasted a lot of energy and money. And a year and a half later, they're back at their core, what their passion was. So now they're taking what they learned which was valuable in that sense and building it around their passion. But they got pulled off their passion by the whole, I should be doing this and this is what everybody's doing, you know, and I should have a, this sequence and I should do that. And they missed what they were doing. They missed what they were great at. And that's where the shoulds can really get in your way. And I don't want people to be confused with shoulds. Like we all need to learn. We all need to learn new things. We all need to experiment and expand our business, but we have to be able to decide whether it's right for our business or whether we're trying to live up to somebody else's shoulds or some internal should that we've mm. created versus just saying, no, I'm never going to be on Snapchat, <laughs> for example. Right. Or for me, I'm going to be on Instagram, but I'm not ready to do it now. That's a place I need to go. I would like to go, but I'm not ready. So Instagram might not happen till 2019. I signed up for a program in 2015 about how to make fabulous webinars. I did go through the half the content. And it is an amazing course. I'm not going to say who is by. But what I realized halfway through is that I had no passion for webinars. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Putting on a webinar to me is synonymous with going to my least favorite doctor's appointments. 
just being totally honest. You and I are like... (laughs) And I realized, wow, that was a lot of money to spend just because people told me I should do it. I was told two days ago I should do webinars. And I'm like, you webinars just don't do it in the same way. That's why podcasting really attracts me. I think podcasting is more me. Webinars is me talking to people, not having a conversation like you and I are having. Yeah. I don't like talking at or to people. Yeah. And And whether anybody's listening or not, you don't know. And then you get stressed on listening and whatever. So, yeah. I mean, I can look at my kids. Like hosting a webinar would be like trying to get my kids to do exactly what I want them to. (laughs) Just trying to talk to one of them is hard enough. Trying to talk to three, even harder, especially when they're four and younger. Trying to talk to all five. Holy moly. You, you, you. Like, I don't know the names of all the people on the webinar. I can't even get the names of my five kids straight. You, just listen. Yeah. (laughs) At that time, podcasts were around in 2015. Mm -hmm. But nobody was talking about them. Or people were talking about them. I just wasn't listening. Right. But so long story short, what I've realized out of this is that I've grown from a DIY standpoint, letting myself believe that number one, I have to do everything. Mm -hmm. And number two, I need to know everything to a DFY done for you, where I don't have to do everything. And in fact, I'm going to hire people to do it for me. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing about First of all, choosing what it is you want to do, where you want to be good at Mm -hmm. as a company, and then how people can help you achieve that. What is the one thing that you feel you are really good at and you love doing? I'm really good at seeing the forest and the trees at the same time. So if somebody's buried in the bushes and buried in the trees, I'm really good at bringing them up to the high level. And if somebody's way up at the high level and they're not implementing, I'm really good at bringing them down to what they actually need to do. And getting them very, very focused. And I love doing that. I love seeing someone. I had a client yesterday who came in literally, you know how somebody rushes in the room when they're over, I don't know where I should be doing, to breathing, calming down and saying, okay, now I know what I need to do. Now I know what Mm -hmm. I want to do. Not even need. It needs to be a want. And and in her case, there was a lot of shoulds going on too, because I think that's just a common problem. And just getting them to say, okay, for the next two months, this person's juggling a brand new business and another side part-time job that they're committed to. And so what can you do in the time that you can focus on your business? Don't try and do everything, but what can you do? Yeah. So what is one thing in your business that you shouldn't be doing anymore and you want to let go of? Oh, good question. What I shouldn't be doing anymore and that I want to let go of is some of the day-to-day activities. I don't want to let go of my voice but I would like to let go of some of the technical parts. And uh, similar to you, I can do all the technology. And that eats up a lot of time. So I want to let go of some of that part, but maintain my voice. Are you on a Mac or a PC? I'm on a PC. So I have a Mac and a PC. And I've recently been using my Mac more. This is not a promotion or a sponsorship or an affiliate (laughs) or whatever. But one of the tools that I have to admit I heard about from another podcast is Text Expander. Even sending those follow-up emails to all the prospects this morning, all I had to do was put in a short keystroke and change out their name, and Mm. it just pasted. And I had two different keystrokes, one for the email subject, one for the body of the email where I switched out their name. And I love time-saving things like that. That was one of those things that I really should have had somebody else do, should have, could have, would have. But I really wanted to 
get to know each person a little bit better. So I was going through their application while I was responding to them. Because when they respond, I want to know who I'm talking to. Well, you had um, one of your episodes, and I don't remember the number you might be, was the one tab episode. Yes. You shared that with me, and I'm like, this is amazing. And I shared it with a mastermind group I have. And one of the women's like, the next day, she's like, I'm in love. Isn't one tab amazing? One tab is amazing. It's a productivity changer in the sense, because I'm somebody who wants to leave all my tabs open. Until you address I don't want to forget that topic or uh-huh. there's something there that's really interesting. And one tab is just, I think I listened to that episode three or four weeks ago, and it's just been like heaven. <laughs> And my client who said the same thing, she's like, the next day, I love this. Because we often talk about, we both have the same habit of opening too many tabs. It slows down your computer and it completely distracts you. So I love one tab. How many tabs do you have open right now? I closed them all off before I came on so I wouldn't use my computer. But normally, I could easily have eight or ten tabs open. Yeah, you're better than me. I did not close all my tabs because I was still in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So I have 11 tabs open right now, but I love one tab. Oh, I love it. And I, I love, love the it. fact that you can lock a bunch. So you can put a bunch together, name the group and lock. So they're always there when you open. Really? I've never tried that. Uh, yeah, you can do it. You right click on the one tab thing on the top. Uh-huh. Well, when they're grouped in the day, you can actually lock them. You can name them and lock them. And then you can't delete those one tabs. They'll come up. So I have like my calendar locked, my task managers locked in there. So they're always there. And you can't delete those ones. Really? And so you can name a group. So I have one of my base and then I have another one of my learning groups. So for I'm doing Steve's Profiting from Podcast. So I have that one in another group. And I don't have to go searching for them. They're just locked there. And then the ones that you put down go in the other one. So you can lock and unlock them. And then you can add a tab. Like you can send a tab to the lock ones if you want. She's going to go play with it now. I am. I'm looking. Okay, I need a, is it pin tab? I'm going to have to play with that afterwards. It's in the header of the day. Like it'll say how to lock and unlock. It's a right click. And it really, that way I don't even have to think about the ones that I always use. They're just always there now. Wow. I see. I'm in love with your one tab. One tab tip that you gave me. You changed my productivity amazingly. Listeners, I will put a link to one tab in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP422. But what we're talking about with one tab is... Okay, I have a bad habit of having like 30 tabs open on Google Chrome, which is my preferred browser. And it slows down my computer. It gets my distraction all wonky. Actually, I just realized I have Facebook open. So I don't leave Facebook open now because I see like the number. It just told me 47. (laughs) I was like, now I need to go check what those 47 notifications are. No, I closed it. But one tab would do if I just click this little icon is it would compress them all into a list in one tab. And then I can choose which ones I open back up at what time. But I did not even realize about the lock. That is amazing. Yeah, you can also just send one tab at a time. And I didn't even know that. Yeah, if you right click on the one tab icon, you can send just the tab you're on. Because Facebook eats up your resources horribly if you leave it open. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. Like I said, that's me and my techie. Once I get something new, I have to look how it works. And I love that tool. It's a game changer. <laughs> simple though. Simple as it is, it's a game changer because it just lets me not worry about losing the information that I was keeping. Right. And it keeps me focused and I don't have as much distraction because I can open like you. I can have 30 tabs open. Yeah. Since I made the shift from primarily working on my PC to 
primarily working on my Mac. At least now I don't have multiple windows with 30 tabs because that's how I used to be on my PC. It was Mm -hmm. bad. (laughs) What project management software do you use? I've been experimenting with them. So I played with, um, that's called Miser Task. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's Miser Mind Map. So I started with a mind map because I love mind mapping. In fact, because my plans are to launch a podcast this summer. So I was trying to map out the podcast process. And I love the miser task because I can build the map and then I can move the mind map pieces right into the task. Hmm. If that made sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I just, I tried that one and project management tools are very personal. Yes, I agree. And some of them just really don't work for some people. Mm -hmm. And I had to say, I used to feel like I was using Slack wrong, or I was doing Slack wrong. I've heard people say before, because some people swear by it. I just don't get it, and I don't care to get it. So I've been through four tools, and I'm actually just about to move again, just because as my team is growing, I also need that one that will track time for team members while they're working on specific projects. And that thought to me of moving again is so painful, but I realized that we better do it now before we grow instead of waiting and the pain of doing it later. And the challenge too is there's new ones coming up at any moment, right? So it's finding the one that, and I went through a bunch too, and I'm not, I haven't found one, honestly, that thinks, that follows, I'm not a linear thinker. I'm a very dynamic thinker. I bounce around. So I haven't found a tool that let, that follows my think process. So Exactly. This one was kind of there. It kind of worked. And there was another one I saw that lets you do timelines. I thought, oh, maybe. But it's hard to find the right ones because there's not a perfect one out there. And there's, again, there's the shoulds. When I started to look at them, it's like, you should be using this one. I just changed that one. You should use this one. I'm like, no, I got to find the one that works for me. Yes. Listeners, if you have a project management software that really works for you, I would love to hear about it. So I invite you to go to thecamsutton.com forward slash PP422 and leave a comment below of which tool you especially love. Heather, one of the most recent tools that I found that I'm loving is Focuster. Haven't heard of that one. <laughs> and I use Trello right now. Full disclosure, I love Trello, but I just realized that I need something more for my growing team. And when I create a new card or a new task and it works with so many different systems, it actually will create a new task in Focuster and Focuster schedules that task into my Google Calendar. Well, that's nice. And it gamifies it. I'm a big gamification person. Like I compete with myself on a daily basis. How much can I get done? Did I get it all done? Is my Focuster progress bar all blue or green or whatever color it's supposed (laughs) to be? And I don't like to see red in my bank account or on Focuster. So I love it because I can easily, and I've heard this from so many people, I can easily go into my email first thing in the morning and let other people set the course of my day. Mm -hmm. Or I can look at my calendar, what Focuster tells me I should be doing right now, and go that way. I totally agree with that. I don't look at my email more than three or four times a day. Like my alerts are off. My phone alert doesn't alert emails unless they're particularly really important names that I've had a bell to. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly it. If you look at your email right in the morning, that's going to drive you versus looking at your plan yep. and working through your plan. 
I think the next step is actually for me to put right in my signature because I don't want to do auto responses. When I get auto responses telling me that this person will check their email at such and such a time of the day, that's just another email in my box. So I don't want to do that to somebody. But adding it to my signature, I check my email at this time and this time every day. Mm -hmm. If it's an emergency, then you probably know how to contact me and you can do it that way. But absolutely, right? Email will not be that way. Yeah. I had someone who hired me that I should have said no to. I should not have accepted the client. And I knew that, but I felt I could help them. So I took this client on and they just expected 24 hour responses mm-hmm. within two minutes. And we ended up parting ways very quickly because it's not my style, nor do I, th- I want to encourage any client to be on 24 hours a day. And so, yeah, it was like, no, I'm not a 24 hour on the spot looking at my email every minute. And I think sadly, cell phones and smartphones have turned us into that. It's not productive for you and it's not productive for me. And you don't need me there that often. Right. I let go of one of those clients about a year ago, (laughs) almost a year ago, because what was started as a relationship where I was supposed to have nights and weekends Mm -hmm. quickly became a, well, can you build this out this weekend? No, my son has a soccer tournament. Well, how long is the soccer season? (laughs) Hold up a second. That is not what I signed up for. And that's absolutely it. And I mean, as I'm in a business coach, you don't need me 24 hours a day, right? And the crisis that was ultimately the one that discontinued our relationship was something that she was aware of for many months and just didn't address it. And now all of a sudden it was a crisis. Well, yes, but that's not a 24-hour crisis. If you leave that pot on your stove simmering for months, eventually it will melt. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened to her. Yep. Heather, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing. I feel like it was full of golden nuggets. So thank you. I'm excited to go actually try one tab with the lock tabs. <laughs> full disclosure. I love my tech, lock tab. Yeah. <laughs> the tech nerd in me is like, okay, how can I go set that up? You just got to remember to unlock it if you want to add something to it and then lock it again. I okay. got stuck with that one. That's a good tip, too. Thank you. Where can listeners find you online, connect, and learn more about you and what you do? They can find me on my website. It's igniteyourmarket.com. And on Facebook. I have a Facebook business page with the same. Ignite Your Market. Oh, I love it. Ignite Your Market. That's such Mm -hmm. a good word. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? Yes, I do. And what it would be is really start to create your own should buster, for lack of a better word to put it, but to create your own method of evaluating the shoulds. You know, take a break. When you hear a should in your head, when you hear a should coming from someone else, take a break. And what I have for you to help you do that is my should buster meter. And that's available at igniteyourmarket.com slash should buster. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 